Hey, welcome back to the Breaking Bad Insider Podcast. My name is Kelly Dixon. We're here talking about episode number 312, which is called Half Measures. Um, I'm here with uh, my executive producer, Vince Gilligan. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Our producer, Melissa Bernstein. Hello. And very special guest today, we've got Brian Cranston in the house. Hello there. <laughs> so uh, this uh, episode uh, is it's called, I guess, the penultimate episode. Is that what that, the second to last yes, episode the, called? the penultimate episode. Uh, and it's called uh, Half Measures. And I guess that's my first question, because this is something that I've never heard before. I don't really know where this expression comes from. Oh, so a, I was going to ask you. Oh, yeah, half measure. Well, uh, as... as, as uh, as Mike, uh, played by Jonathan Banks, says in uh, uh, the scene in this episode, he says, uh, tells us a uh, really dark and pretty scary story about putting a gun in a guy's mouth and threatening him uh, that he will kill him if he does not stop beating up his, uh, his, his wife. And ultimately, as Mike puts it, that's a half measure. Instead of, you know, to do, a, to, to do things half measure is to do them halfway and... and uh, Instead of taking them full measure, which I'll say right now is the uh, name of uh, next week's episode. Full measure. So, uh, um, but uh, yeah, half measure uh, meaning uh, that uh, as as Mike is discussing it with Walt, uh, saying sometimes you got to do things all the way, and doing things halfway will only get you into trouble. And it was on uh, the back of our crew jacket this year. Yeah, no half measures is on our uh, crew measures. jacket. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That was a nice crew jacket too. I gotta thank you guys very much for you that. You never one. paid me for yours. I, I have paid you so many times now, Vince. <laughs> I sold it on eBay for two hundred dollars. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> nice. And I must say thank you very much, Brian, for all your gifts. Also, the hat. Sure. And the, uh, the well, sat, that's the bag. Entire and cast. Thank you so much for that. Yes. The cod piece. Oh. Oh, was that just Nate <laughs> <Yeah, made>? Merkin? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Walter White Codpiece. I think next year we're going to have uh, Breaking Bad cast a crew gifts is a- anal bleaching kit. I think everyone's gonna gonna enjoy that. That's good. I, I know you on, do. They make that in the home version. Now. Yeah, the home yes. version. Yes. Why stop with your teeth? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't you glad you did this, yes. one, Melissa? Yes. Okay. Let me ask you this, Vince. Um, you know, I, I always like to ask you how these things, you know, kind of start out. Um, you know, obviously, uh, when you guys start in the writer's room, you think about uh, what you want to do as a, kind of an arc for the year. And I'm just curious how this one came about, because now you basically put um, the, our characters are making some very big decisions, not like they haven't made any before. Yeah. But I think this is the well, technically, it's not the third person that Walt has killed, because we still are kind of on the fence about Jane. I say he didn't kill her. But <laughs> well, third and fourth people. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, fourth. Is Let's it? see for sure, not including well, Jane. Crazy eight. Kill crazy eight. And, his, and Emilio. And, and Emilio. And Emilio. Yeah. Okay. So All that's right. two. And Jane. One. Well, no, Jane. Jane. We're, not, we're not counting Jane. Not Jane. We're not counting Jane and the two bullet heads. Oh, I think you killed Jane. Yeah. <laughs> that's four, right? Jane. So you think he killed Jane? Yes, I do. Which I think is a valid argument. I I, I tend to I tend Make to it five. <laughs> <laughs> I tend to think well, no, it's a that's a I, good point. I, I think most people. I think I, I'm I, the minority. I will admit that, but I I definitely think that was that was his his inaction was the action. But if if you yeah. are uh, if you don't prevent someone from dying, could you really be accused of killing that person? 
it depends on the willfulness involved, and I think there is a lot of willfulness. I think involved. it's gross indifference. I'm no lawyer, and so lawyers pl plenty uh, can can uh, correct me on this, but I think the difference there's a difference between homicide and uh -huh. gross indifference or gross negligence. So from a legal standpoint, <laughs> I don't think probably it would be a would, wouldn't be a homicide. Wouldn't be It'd murder. Be manslaughter, though. Uh, manslaughter, you have your hand in it. Something you did caused another person's death. Yes, which this would not be. Yeah, well, this would not be manslaughter, but it, I don't, well, again, we're not talking about this episode. We're talking about when Jane, <laughs> yeah, when Jane, well, where are we? This, this would definitely be but, uh, but vehicular uh, murder one. But this there. is good. This is what you strive to do, is to have people con continually talking about. Yeah, and argue it out. And argue it out. it out. Yeah, yeah. But I'm curious because, Vince, now you guys in the writer's room have really made a decision. Walt picks up the gun and actually, you know, shoots um, this this yes. gentleman, yes. Uh, this drug dealer, and he was a gentleman. <laughs> but um, but I, you, I was actually shooting at a bug on the ground, and his head got in the way. So that's what my lawyer Saul Goodman uh, told me to say. Yes, exactly. but, the other, but the other thing too, though, is what you've done. You you guys in the writers' room have done is you've made him make a conscious decision to save Jesse's life. Absolutely, absolutely. This is a very <laughs> this is a very rough episode, and it's. Uh, I mean, we're super proud of this one, and it's, uh, yeah. If if you saw that ending coming and were uh, kind of like, eh, you know, <laughs> then uh, I, I can't imagine, you know. But uh, this uh, this episode, uh, you know, uh, Walt's character is 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 warned by Mike, uh, the very hard as nails uh, 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 private eye, that he has to stop protecting Jesse Pinkman. That Jesse Pinkman, that protecting this kid is. Yeah, I know you got a history. I know you guys go back, but you gotta, you gotta get off the Jesse Pinkman train here, <laughs> and you gotta look out for yourself and for this good thing we got going because otherwise, this shit's gonna hit the fan. I mean, this is not gonna end well. Uh, no more half measures. Stop halfway trying to protect this guy. You got to go full measure and and cut him loose and let the chips fall where they may and. All of which, all of which is in this is animated the idea that the chips falling where they may means that uh, eventually Jesse's going to be offed. Right. So Walt does this uh, does this thing in this episode. He does actually a pretty smart move. Uh, it's a move guaranteed to make uh, uh, Jesse angry at him. But basically, he goes to his boss and says, "My partner wants to kill two of your guys." Help guide me here. Help. Let's work this out. We got to work this out so that you know, to your satisfaction and to mine, because I don't want Jesse Pinkman murdered. Walt does, in other words, he tries his best uh, uh, to save Jesse, and it still doesn't work. And so, Walt does indeed go full measure at the end of this episode, uh, despite the uh, ironic title. I think he goes full measure, just not in any way, shape, or form the way Mike or uh, Gus would have hoped. But Character, Characterization-wise, it, it really made sense to Walt to appeal to that because it was really the only avenue to go to. In all the math and sciences that Walter White took in college, this scenario never came up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so he's really out of his element. He, yeah. he doesn't know where to turn. He's woefully unprepared for this world of, of the underworld and crime. And so go to the source. Go to the person who knows it well. And yeah. so... As a last-ditch effort, that's what yeah. what he decided to do, which I think makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah and and Jesse thinks he's a, a rat, he's a snitch for for going to Gus, but it it makes sense on paper, 
But uh, let me ask you, Brian, what does it feel like uh, for Walt to really have his, his, his mojo back, his Heisenberg back at the end of this episode? Because <laughs> for a good chunk of this episode, it, it can be argued that Walt was kind of a rat. I, I personally, and again, we want people hashing this out, I personally think Walt, when he went to Gus, that was a smart move. But it was the rat, quote-unquote, move as far as Jesse's concerned. But uh, but at the end of this hour, Walt is Heisenberg again in, in spades. I mean, it was... And, and for a good part of this season, Walt has just been Walt. He sort of let his alter ego go to an extent. So this is yeah, I think, really seeing I think it. that's very true. And, well, I mean, it's also uh, presented in, in an earlier scene when, when Mike, the D.I., played by Jonathan Banks, uh, says to Walter, you know, Walter, sometimes it's good to have someone watch your back. And without Jesse knowing it, that's what I'm doing. Yeah, <clears throat> It's not yeah. important that he knows that's the motivation behind it. Right now it's just to keep this kid alive. Yeah, yeah. And um, so that's what he does. Uh, it's, uh, it's fascinating, this, this whole turn of events. And I think you're right. I think, I think uh, the way the, the course of the, ep- uh, the season has gone... Um, there hasn't been a need to have a, a Heisenberg-esque type of personality come through as strong. Right. That's where the where the season took us, and and I don't know if 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 it was truly, uh, you know, uh, aggressive bravery that that brought him to that point at the last scene, as opposed to desperation, and. And what to do, what to do, what to do, and, yeah. and he finding himself in that situation again. And I certainly don't think that he had any premeditated ideas of what exactly he was going to do. I think you're right. I mean, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. But I tell you, if that's not the Heisenberg moment, maybe the, the non-premeditated running the two guys over is, is an act of instinct and desperation. But the, 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 the coup de grace at the end, blasting that guy in the head, that's, that's in my mind, that's pure Heisenberg. That's just, uh, that's... Uh, and I, uh, yeah, and, and it's a wonder whether or not that's going to come back in our final episode or not. It's like, mm-hmm. where is it going to go now? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I, I want to ask you something. We didn't really talk about it during the podcast for 309, but you guys have made a decision in the writer's room to now. You Walt has elevated this game, you know, but Walt is still working for Gus. Yeah. But the stakes are high. I'm curious, Brian, as an actor, have you had any thoughts about you know how the mike saul gus uh inner workings has been playing out or you know have you thought about who's working for who i I think what what every actor has to do at least well i shouldn't say every actor but i what i need to do is that when scripts come in i need to be able to ingest them as the character so that the the sensibility of it doesn't remain outside of me if that makes any sense so the more I understand the motives of any given uh, script, then it, it, it becomes, through osmosis, more connected. In the course of this season, it was, to me, uh, as I was seeing it played out, and, and Vince and I didn't talk about this, but it, 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 to me, I have to make sense of it, what Walter is going through over the course of the season. And if the first season was about the decision that he makes, the the bad one, the decision to cook crystal meth and make as much money for his family, the second season really investigated the ramifications of that decision. And this season really was a transitional one for Walt. 
for me, it was all about Walt realizing that he had to embrace who he was and who he's become uh, in order to stay alive. He had to think more like a criminal in order to survive this life. Mm -hmm. Because as long as he was outside of it, trying grasping in all in season two he was trying to form it and pull it into into a rationalization he's a man of science everything made sense and he was trying to make sense of it all and frustratingly not being able to do that in this season i think and in the tone and the course of the weeks and months that goes on in season three he's had to sort of let gold of that death let go of that death grip and accept who he is that he has a dark side and realize, and he's smart enough to realize that he needs to do that in order to survive. So the, the scene you're referring to when he goes to, to Gus and, and says, I know it was you who went after my brother-in-law. And instead of getting angry about it, he goes, I got it, I know it, I know it, I know why you did it. I understand and I probably would have done the same thing. And it may be a surprise to the viewers but to me, it wasn't a surprise. It was it was a acknowledging of the of the transition that he's making, this metamorphosis of his character into this other thing. So it's it it, it so it, it's never been a, a it, with with Vince. It's always been a, an interesting uh, surprise. But when you really think about it, it's not uh, a leap that is is unjustifiable. So you know there was a, yeah. you can actually try to trace it back like a Rubik's cube and figure it out. I like how you just described that because it's interesting. Again, you know, we, we have, as mentioned in other podcasts, at least one other one, uh, we like this show uh, to be as much of a water cooler show as possible and have people honestly engage engage and honestly disagree about certain moments. I think it's very interesting your take on it. If I'm understanding you right. You're thinking he's being. Are you saying he's being a little honest with himself and saying, "I and you're if given the same set of circumstances, if I were you, I would have made the same choice." That's where I took it. That's interesting because in my uh, my take on it, and again, there's no. It's not math. It's not two plus two equals four. There's no right answer per se. But my take on mm -hmm. it is that uh, is that he says that it's the whole meeting and the summation of the meeting, which is, I'm okay with this. If I was in your shoes, I would have done the same thing. Is 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 the old uh, saw, the old goody about uh, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. In other words, I'm not going to be able to lie to this guy. This guy's too smart. He's too smart for that. I'm not going to be able to lie to him and act like I don't know what's going on. So instead, better to sit down, hash it out, say I know about my brother-in-law. I know you're behind it, but I'm okay with it. You know, here's my neck. You know. Uh, as it were, in, 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 in the, the friends close, enemies closer sense, take this very canny, very smart master chess player and and say to him, I'm not a danger to you, even though I can't, you're going to see it in my eyes now that I know about what's going on, but I'm not going to lie about that, but I'm going to tell you it's okay. And so it's interesting so how many different uh, takes on this there can be. Uh, actually, I love it. I, that's what I'm hoping for always. I want people to be able to say, gee, I thought it meant this, and someone else says, gee, I think it means this instead. Right. Right. But this scene in this episode, again, we're talking about 309 a few episodes back. We're here talking about 312 today, and, and this scene, it's it's good we're talking about that other scene because this scene feels like of a piece with that scene. In, in 312, in the scene where 
where Walt is sitting and uh, at at Gus's right hand. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. 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 Which is a great <laughs> symbolic. Yeah. Uh, it's just great at so many levels. Anna Bernstein uh, with the blocking and the way you guys blocked it, just putting. Brian, uh, putting Walt at, at, at Gus's right on hand. On his side of the table, yeah. which we, we've seen before in earlier episodes when the cousins were there with Uncle Tio, everybody was on the other side of the, of yes. the desk and Gus was alone. Mm-hmm. Gus has never had, you're right, Gus has never had someone on his side of the table. On his before. side of the table. It's very uh, visual impact. Very there. smart. Yeah. Very smart on the part of my writers, uh, my writers who wrote this episode. Uh, uh, Sam Catlin and Sam, Peter Gould. I'm sorry. <laughs> they all run together in my head. But Peter and Sam, Sam and Peter, did a great job writing this episode, an outstanding job. And Adam Bernstein, who directed it, just uh, as usual. Hey, uh, Melissa, talk a little bit about Adam, who has directed more episodes for us than anybody. Yeah, this was his sixth episode for wow. us, actually. Um, and he's an incredibly versatile director. He does both comedy and drama. Yes. Uh, he's constantly doing pilots and uh, in very much in demand, so we are very lucky to get him, and it always amazes us that we're able to get him for, for at least two episodes a season. Um, tell him about his wife. Uh, and his wife, Jessica Hecht, uh, who plays Gretchen on our show, who we didn't get to see this season, but I hope that we see her again in the series, um, and who was starred in a Broadway play this season, too much critical acclaim. I saw it. I saw it. Ah. I saw it on Broadway, and we uh, ran into her afterward. We stood in front of the theater, and uh, she came out, and we, uh, my uh, girlfriend Holly and I walked her back to her uh, to their apartment, to their uh, condo, uh, and uh, excellent. Uh, it was A View from the Bridge by Arthur Miller, and she was fantastic. Uh, she played uh, Liev Schreiber's character's wife. Mm. It did a great job getting, and everyone was good in it. It was good, good play. So yeah. Yeah, and I got to uh, prep this episode with Adam. I mean, he's just a pleasure to be around. A lot of fun, and and really, really prepared. He storyboards everything, um, and actually, we've come to collect those storyboards uh, because we've realized how how incre- what a wonderful sort of uh, you know memory they are of the show mm-hmm. and a little time capsule for the show Great, yeah. yeah i mean they're they're i mean and he's a he's a very talented artist yes. as well so that's, that's let's nice. talk a little bit i know this um unfortunately uh our teaser does not include brian even though brian is here but let's talk a little <laughs> bit about our teaser because which uh, our own vince gilligan had yeah. a very direct hand yeah, let's in. talk how did what was wow. the genesis of that vince <laughs> uh, all the time I spent with with five dollar prostitutes. <laughs> uh, now, uh, uh, um, uh, did it start we, with a song? It started with a song uh, a long time ago. Um, it occurred to, I, and, and again, I'm not being facetious or, or I'm not being coy when I say this. I don't remember where the ideas come from. I, I don't. I'm at the point I don't remember who came up with them. It might have been me or it might have been someone else. In the writers' room, there really does exist a group mind, and we have just a smart group of people and we sit around and we throw ideas out all day long 10 12 hours a day for months many months on end and i can't remember uh if my life depended on it where this one came from but i just well, early first season there's a line right yeah, about, that hank says to wendy. wendy about get, get, giving wendy's how about and, how much is for a wendy wendy yes well yeah i mean and the character's name ever since day one has been wendy the, the character, uh, uh, his uh, character's name is is, uh, is 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 Wendy, and uh, but we just love the idea of using the song, the wonderful old song by the Association, Wendy, and and because it's such a peppy, upbeat, <laughs> smiley sort of a song, 
and 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 cutting a music video of a teaser to the song and and yet showing a day in the life of Wendy our lovable meth whore and especially particularly the line uh, who's bending down to give me a rainbow uh, everyone <laughs> has a new meaning has <laughs> a new uh, meaning now but uh, but we should talk about uh, <coughs> Julia, who who plays Wendy, who's a wonderful uh, wonderful lady, and is nothing at all, nothing at all like uh, like like Wendy. Uh, yeah, Julie Mineski is yeah, one of our. I was uh, going to look up her name. Well, in fact, really actually, she's credited as Julia in some of the shows, but she goes by Julie. So. Uh, good. I'm glad You're you. Right I'm, on both fronts. I'm glad you told me that because I kept calling her Julie, and, yeah. uh, and then I felt bad when I saw it written out as Julia. No. So We've I'm, changed it to Julie for this episode. So, in fact, you are. We've changed for this episode. You yes. changed it to yeah, Julie. Yeah, but she's been she has uh, been credited as Julia, Julia. in the past. Well, so we checked with her. I mean, that was her. That her was her idea. Yes. Her you've told me before, Vince, that she's like a mom and Ju- no. Nothing like Julie. She's got a nice discovery. Yes, Sherry Rhodes. And and uh, Sherry Rhodes, our wonderful, uh, uh, dear departed uh, uh, head of New Mexico casting, who who passed away this year, uh, who was in episode uh, 303, uh, the little lady in the cute little redhead lady (laughs) in the in the in the motorized rascal scooter. Uh, (laughs) Sherry found Julie for us uh, way back in season one. And uh, Julie, I need to stress yeah, again, Julie is nothing like Wendy. She doesn't look like her. She doesn't act like her in any way, shape, or form. Uh, she's a very pretty lady. Uh, we put a lot of makeup on her, on her teeth and, and whatnot. Uh, uh, and she is a, a very fit, uh, kind of a, as you just said, kind of a soccer mom. Yeah, uh, you run say a, she runs triathlon. She she told me on the set she it's been a few years since she's done it, but she and her husband used to compete in like uh, I guess the Ironman and all these other triathlons. Jeez. She's probably got like negative negative three percent body fat or something. She's in fantastic shape, but uh, uh, she. Uh, when we put some makeup on her, she does a very nice job, and she uh, plays Wendy, uh, who is our lovable meth whore, and uh, <laughs> does a, just does a great job. Is very game. And she had a, yeah. a very complicated task in front of her this episode because yeah. the way we shot um, a portion of it was with the, Vince shot it with a well, both with a, a, cam- a film camera and a still camera, but she had to be in character for hours. Yeah, we shot what? a time lapse. Well, I, I, I had a hand in it. I, it, it uh, Anna Bernstein. Uh, is is absolutely the director on this uh and 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 everything great about the teaser is all adam but uh we have so little time on this show and the eight days we have to shoot it that uh we did a kind of a little what you would call a splinter unit and i was on it uh uh, but Adam, I just did what Adam wanted me to do and we shot time lapse the time lapse footage you see the sped up stuff that happens very quickly of of Julie of Wendy. Uh, wandering around in front of the motel is uh, stuff we shot uh, with a, a motion picture camera. Uh, that splinter unit was DP'd by a wonderful uh, Peter Reniers, who's uh, just a great director of photography and a great cameraman. And and I was helping out too with a with a still camera, as was Michelle McLaren. The the side angle view, that great side angle view, we wouldn't have had if it weren't for Michelle. She used her little, you know, uh, Nikon. D80 or whatever D90, D90. Uh, it's amazing the quality of this stuff you know it's this is a, stir, a series of still photos taken on a digital SLR that you could buy at Best Buy or whatnot and it cuts in with our motion picture 35 millimeter motion picture film flawlessly 
and uh, it's it's just we had a lot of fun. Shooting Did you have that. it on a tripod shooting that? Yeah, Is definitely that, locked yeah, down, very locked down, very yeah, nicely on a tripod, and it took about two hours to get all of that footage. It's and all so nice though because um, it's all done as as like a play. I mean, it was all choreographed. Yeah. There's no cuts in it. By our AD staff, yeah. which was yes. There's no cuts in it. And also, yeah, talk about also about your, yeah, the bogey. Well, again, Adam set this thing up very nicely, and I was he was off directing uh, Brian and Aaron and directing the, the bulk of the episode, and so we had this little splinter unit going, and Julie was such a trooper. And again, Julie, as far as I know, doesn't have uh, a lot of training, uh, previous experience as an actress. Correct, yeah. But she just is a natural, and I'm telling you, for two hours straight, you know, we none of us wanted to cross in front of the lens because once we got this time lapse going, we wanted to condense about two, two and a half hours of real life time down into three or four minutes of super sped up uh, action. So in other words, you shoot 24 frames a second to get normal speed film. We were shooting. Uh, instead of 24 frames a second, we were shooting a frame every two seconds or every four seconds. So everything is super sped up. So Julie, being the trooper that she is, I said to her, uh, you know, uh, Peter and I said to her, are you, uh, do you need to go to the bathroom? Do you need to? Because you know, once we started going, she was just playing this part for two hours. And so we would say to her, okay, Julie, uh, why don't you come over, to, come over closer to the camera here, just sort of pace around in front of the camera. And we'd have her pace for 15 minutes. And then we'd bring a car by and pick her up and take her away. <laughs> and the cars, all the cars, uh, every time she gets in a car and leaves with some uh, John, comes back. These are all actors, uh, extras, paid extras, all those folks who did a wonderful job, too. And this thing was choreographed very well. But here's the funny thing. The very first guy that shows up, uh, there's a car pulls up, and she goes over to the car, and she's talking in the window of the guy. And I'm... I'm annoyed because I hadn't called action on the car yet, so I turned to uh, Ben Scissors, our AD, and I said, Ben, man, I didn't give the cue for the car. And he says, that's not one of ours. <laughs> I, really? I shit you not. It was a bogey, she as we call it. She was just too tempting. Yeah. She was just too tempting. This guy pulls up in a car. He's got 30, 40 people watching. He's got motion picture cameras. He's got 100. He's got 30, 40 people. He's got equipment out the wazoo, trucks, all this stuff. This guy pulls up with all these people watching. I don't know what his story was. If he was high as a kite and didn't see everybody, or if he was just, you know, just needed to get laid. I don't know. But he just he pulls up and she walks over, and we didn't want to step in front of our cameras because they're rolling. So Ben gets on the as a bullhorn. He says, "Julie, do not get in the car. Do not get in there. That is not one of ours. That is a bogey. That is, I repeat." And she didn't even look back over her shoulder. Right. And she said, I didn't, such I couldn't, focus. she's such folk, I couldn't hear what she said, but she said, she told me later, so I'm like, hey, baby, I'm an actress, and you got 30 people, and maybe you want to take a hike because I'm working here, but not in the way you think. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And, and the guy just, it, it, it looked absolutely like, one hour guys. Yeah, did you real. include that in the in the thing? I can't remember if the actual bit, but you know, know what? I'm hoping get we get permission from I, him and <laughs> the release. We asked know, his wife. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so it was okay. You know what? Uh, when, and this big, you know, when we shoot this, and it, every movie and TV show does this, not just us, but you put placards out on a sidewalk, uh, placards that say. Uh, uh, to give the public, you know, passers-by the information that something's being shot here, and if you walk past this point, you... You may end up on film. You may end up on film, and essentially by walking through here, you, you, you submit, that is implicit, uh, implicit permission to be used. 
So uh, if he didn't notice the 30 people uh, watching him, I guess he didn't notice the placard either. But, uh, you know, you can't tell who he is. Who knows? You can't read the license plate or any of that. But uh, I think he might just, I think he might be in there, yeah. I'm not sure. (laughs) But she did a fantastic job, as did all the extras. Uh, Just, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit, Melissa, since we have you here, let's talk a little bit about the end of the episode. Um, I'm not sure how many days it took. It might have only taken one, but it's all night, you know, and so this puts, uh, you know, I don't think we've ever talked about this before, the, the actual logistics for our crew um, when we shoot at night. I mean, you know, when you're shooting a night, uh, a night um, uh, scenes, they take all night, and sometimes they take several nights. And, you know, the way that the crews have to work is, you know, they pretty much work about 12, about 12 hours a day. So basically your call time is going to be about five in the evening or six in the evening. So you can use all the darkness. Well, the good news, bad news situation is we were shooting this in January. So it was <laughs> freezing. freezing yeah. um, but it gets it gets dark earlier. So you can start your day a little earlier. It doesn't matter, work. though. You're still out there <laughs> yeah. all night long. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but And, you know, and Adam actually, you know, really tried to play with some things to give him the most time he could have at Combo's Corner. Like, there, you know, there were a couple pieces that he shot, like he shot Jesse in the car, sort of prepping for that moment where he's um, doing the meth in the car on the CD. We shot that actually over by the playground where Tomas is killed. Oh, okay. And, I mean, the way it's shot, you can't tell. Yeah, I I didn't even know that myself. And then you shoot the other side so you can see through the window. You shoot, shoot, wow. I mean, and that's, you know, it it comes with Adam's experience. And, like, he knew what his priorities were. And he said, I know I can make this look right shooting it here, and Mm -hmm. it'll give me a little more time on the day. Yeah, I didn't know that either. It looks great. Yeah, you wouldn't even have known. And and I will say, just on another note, a lot of the credit for that sequence also goes to uh, Diane Mercer, our co-producer, and um, Bill Pulowski, who who handled that amazing stunt where our our guys are mowed down. Diane, I just got to say, is... um, she handles, uh, she's our post producer basically. She's our co producer, but she handles post on our show. Um, and she handles all of the visual effects and things like that. Um, once they are actually, she coordinates them and, and then she works on finishing the visual effects. She and Andrew Ortner are very capable and, and beloved uh, associate producer. Associate producer. Post, they're both post producers. Yes, and they do a great job. And uh, Diane found Bill who I wish we could have Bill in here, too, and Diane, and uh, Adam. Of course, Adam is, is always invited to these podcasts. He's, he's just a busy guy. He's probably off doing a pilot. As he's, he's prepping a show right now, so that's why he's not here. Yeah. And Diane is on our mix stage. That's Diane why she's is mixing not here, our show. unfortunately. But, in fact, you know what's interesting? Uh, just a little peek behind the curtain again. She's actually mixing this show. So, we, yeah, we have not seen this episode completely mixed <laughs> She's yet. actually, at this moment, we're going over in about an hour to see the final mix of episode three. I got a good feeling. No, <laughs> I think it's going to be nice and crunchy at the end. But you know what? I just want to. I wanted to bring guy. up the the whole thing with, with you, Melissa, as far as coordinating that a night shoot like that. You've got well, you know, God a lot bless of our crew. For yeah. I mean, yeah. they were bundled. You know, like you've never seen. As was Adam. It was <laughs> uh, down in the Adam. teens. The the temperature was yeah. in the teens, and it was very cold. And anytime uh, a, a a show goes uh, on a night shoot, it 
it's more money and it's more difficult because it more lights is more lights more equipment. more equipment is necessary people can't work as quickly as they normally could yeah um and the cold slows everything down a little bit so it's uh it's good to have a crew that that really likes to work with us in yes the, on our show so. the other thing too that i wanted to mention i don't know if this is gonna really be clear but um, you know, you can you can do a night shoot like that, and it doesn't sound like that big of a deal, but you have to realize that once you make the commitment to start shooting at night, then your other days are compromised because your crew has to have time to go home and sleep. And, or turn and, around. You know, yeah. they, they, they have um, in the business now what they have is called a turnaround, and everybody's got a certain specific time, usually it's dictated by the unions, that you must not... you. If you were if you are called into work before a, a particular time off, then it's twelve hours off, right? Uh, it, well, that's for some actors. People. Actors have it. DPs have a turnaround. Uh, we have eight hours. For DP, and and it, this is a puzzle that the ads have to deal with. Yeah, yeah. All, all the time and, and is so figuring out figure when out. yeah when, when who is available when we won't have to pay penalties on certain people. Yeah, and, it, it can get quite costly if you are called in. Be you know before you you are able to be called in. Um, you're, you're you, know, just, you can do it. Force call, yeah. Plus, you're also call, dealing yeah. with human nature, where you, you you work during the day for the week, and Friday is going to be a night shoot. All of a sudden, what the crew is used to being in bed by one o'clock in the morning. Now they're being asked to work all the way through to sunrise on that Saturday morning and, and yeah and now your can, weekend is screwed yeah really. well it's it's, and then it's usually, a challenge usually Monday you're back at you know six in the morning your call time is six in the morning so night shoots are really you know kind of a big deal excuse me that I don't think a lot of people that are not in the business understand I mean you know if you yeah. look at a show like 24 where basically half their year is all night yeah yeah, you know? <laughs> or True Blood. I mean, they're a lot. Yeah, of, a true. Lot of yeah, those must be rough. Yeah. But um, so I've just... got more days of both wonderful, wonderful, wonderful shows. But uh, I want to stress, both those shows have way more days to shoot an episode than we do. <laughs> I know from working at Fox. I mean, uh, we had eleven, twelve, thirteen days an episode to do the X Files, uh, and we have eight, eight days and out. They did it in twenty four hours. That was the whole oh, thing. 24? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I think there's a little bit of movie magic going on. You know, I, I wanted to bring up also with you and with you, Melissa, and Brian, especially for that. Did that scene take one night or was it a couple of nights? Uh, it was, we had another, we were there two day, over two days okay. at Combo's Corner. Right, Michelle? Yeah, but part of, part of one of the days was at the playground as well, yeah. right? So we split, it was split, like a day. It was one scene. Yeah, it was yeah. like a day and a half we were at Combo's Corner. Because um, I was going to ask, um, only because you've got, all the you know, we had a, some day work in the teaser. Yeah, but you I'm just talking about skin. the night work because at the end you've got all these shots of Jesse. You know, you've got. I mean, I know there were two cameras working, but you've got all these shots of Jesse. So you've got to schedule him, and Walt doesn't come in until the very end. You know, so I mean, you know, whatever way you schedule this, you've got to get all of this accomplished within the, that night. And, so, and we had Bill down there actually trying to work out those hits because oh, okay. there are, you know, photographic this is our effects, elements effects. of that. Yeah. Let's talk a little talk more a about that because you, about that. Yeah, yeah. You, you used the word yeah. stunt a minute ago. There is no stunt at all there. Yes. I mean, yeah, there, well, there the was driving. A, the driving is a stunt. I, I, I'm sorry. Yes. I, don't, I don't mean to take away. The, yes, I'm sorry. It, it, is definitely, it is definitely a stunt to have one of our very wonderful uh, stunt men who's a driver come driving through a bunch of people, a bunch of crew people. 
with that close proximity at 40 miles an hour and slam on the brakes and all that is definitely a stunt. But on but our show, we've been much more oriented towards practical effects yes. and, and stunts and things that you're that you we're actually doing in front of the camera. And this was a bit of a leap. I mean, this in 310, you know, the industry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well. So in this, in, in this, the uh, first of all, I didn't drive the car. I was back in the trailer, actually. <laughs> no, it was so cold. Um, but also, there there were no stuntmen. When that car came through, it was just, I don't know how they ended up doing it. Was it just dummies that they used? That wish, were, no, 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 no. No, there's no, nothing there's nobody there. there. Nobody's there. There's, like a, there's a bag. There's a bag on the ground that the car rolls over, and there's a bag to that shows yeah. yeah, the effects guys where the body will be so but yeah no <laughs> so then in in post did they did the stunt guys just leap over something and no it's even yeah. more amazing than that and i so wish bill were here this guy he and his crew <laughs> these guys are like geniuses what they did they Seems. shot it they shot it they shot a bunch of passes they shot an empty plate of of just the world of just the background of 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 you know they had to get as much information as possible to empty plate meaning they locked off the camera and just shot no actors no actors no, no actors, no, actors, no, no, action, car, no anything nothing. just that's just the empty the plate that was one pass another pass was the stuntman driving in your Aztec uh, and running over a sandbag so that the the car goes boom boom, boom over the sandbag and then and then, to and then skids to a stop. And then the third pass was the two actors, uh, uh, Mike and Antonio, uh, who play the bullet heads, standing, standing on their mark and turning their heads very quickly, frame right, and reacting mm -hmm. as if a car was coming at them and kind of jerking their bodies as if they were taking the initial fraction of a second of a hit. But no car in sight. And Bill was and there. Was not locked off. And the camera was not locked up for this. They pan with this stuff, which yeah, makes can, it even, yeah. if you know anything about this stuff, makes it exponentially harder, I would imagine. But uh, so then the two actors go, eh, and they, and that's not an easy thing to mime. So they did that probably eight or nine, ten takes. Uh, yeah, it was a lot. I mean, Bill was supervising that to make sure the timing was perfect. Right. And, yeah. and it, it's an art. That, it, there's an art just to that. They actually did it from a couple different angles. They did it from a side angle. Yes. And they did it from a front angle. Yeah. So they take all this bits of information, and then the real magic starts. And oh, and then I'm sorry, there was a whole other plate. Yeah, I see it—the plate of the car right, riding through. I, I mentioned that one. They, uh, Bill, up until one certain frame, the guys disappear in one certain frame. The, the actors are standing there. They look. They quickly jerk their heads, uh, frame right, and then they uh, they take the hit. The first frame or two is the actual actors. Then they are replaced completely by absolutely 100% computer-generated figures. So the figure that goes over the roof of the car, right. and include, if you watch it closely, his gun goes flying, and his bandana comes off his head wow. and goes fluttering through the air, which was... Great detail. Yeah, which is a great detail I wish we had come up with. Well, we didn't even ask for it. They just did it. And then Antonio, the other fellow, goes underneath the car, and he gets wound up. Uh -huh. You see him rolling, rolling yeah. under the car, yeah. and his arm winds up you know, just where it had to for the follow-up right. footage. And then the camera pans back to what's left of uh, Mike, uh, and he's lying there on the ground, and his leg twitches well, a little. Mike the bullet head. Mike the, the bullet the head. The actor's name is Mike. Yeah, not, Mike yeah, Steel. yeah. Mike Steele, yeah. yeah. So, so the, I, I can't even, I wish Bill were here to explain it, because I'm not doing it justice. But just know, when you watch this episode, at a certain point, 
it is 100% computer generated characters getting crushed and or and or knocked Sent over the flying up in the air. It's it's astonishing. And you watch <laughs> it frame by frame, it's amazing. You watch it at speed, it's amazing, shocking. And then uh, at the end of the sequence, one little one last little cherry on top that that I asked for and 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 Bill very very nicely uh, made happen for us is when Brian when Walt walks over and gives delivers the killing uh, shot, the coup de gras. Uh, the uh, you see a little there's a the blank itself puts out just a little puff of air and so you see a little dust come up that that was practical that really was there but I said can we have just a starburst of blood and uh, of course you did <laughs> and uh, Bill and his guys animated that in too so that and if you watch it frame by frame there's the and then there's like a gout of blood pouring out of the guy's head Damn. frame by frame you only see it for two or three frames. It's just it's horrible. It's horrible and shocking, but I gotta imagine it looks pretty real. I mean, not that I ever want to see the real thing, but uh, it might as well, in a sense, be because it looks so real and it was all created in a computer somewhere. So amazing! Wow! Yeah. Amazing! Yeah. No, Times have changed. They sure have. Yeah. And 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 we don't. No one wants to take work away from stuntmen because that is an art form in and of itself yeah. and some wonderful, wonderful stunts we've all seen in movies dating back 100 years. But you can't do a car hit like this with real people. There's no way in the world you no. can do it without killing somebody or gravely no. injuring them. Al so. Gato, our stunt person, actually recommended that this was the right way to go in this particular situation. 30, he said there's 30 40% chance of a stuntman getting injured on a, just a hood hit. Yes, uh, on a normal, regular yes. hood hit stunt, there's a thirty to forty percent chance that a stuntman would get injured. Is that correct? exactly? Yeah. That's what Al told us, and it's uh, pretty high. You know, yeah, it no, is. it is. We love our show. We're so proud of it. But it, at the end of the day, it's it's a TV show. It's not. No one should be hurt making a TV show or a movie. I mean, it's not. It's not worth it. And yeah, thirty to forty percent chance of of someone getting seriously injured, and I mean that first that's beginning and end. That's a reason not to do it. Yeah. But but. Having said that, someone would get hurt doing it in a way that would look, you know, about a twentieth as horrifying as this this version looks. So you know, we wouldn't even get the bang for your buck. And it's not like you can do it over and over either. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Oh no, we didn't get that for a number of reasons. (laughs) Yeah, for a lot of reasons. Yeah. But amazing, amazing. My hat's off to these guys. It's uh, it's the future. The, it's amazing. The, the question that I have is with when I shot that is, um, of course, you know where where does Walt go from here? Yeah. That's yeah. a pretty yeah, pretty deliberate <laughs> act. I mean, it's one thing to impulsively yeah. run down some guys who are imminently endangering the life of my my associate, my friend. Yeah. That's uh, another thing to to yeah. pull that trigger, you know. But I, I figure, and I'm not. I don't say this blithely. I mean, it, it really is, you know. I think it's in for a penny, in for a pound. I mean, at that point, you might as well finish them all. No half measures. Yeah, no half measures. <laughs> yeah. I think Walt took, in other words, yes, you're right, Brian. I think Walt took to heart uh, uh, Mike's warning to him: no more half measures. Except he obviously, in typical Breaking Bad fashion, he did it in a way that Mike definitely did not. Intent. So. <laughs> you know, it's funny too because uh, I guess lately, ever since you know we've learned, you know what's happening in three twelve and also three thirteen, um, up here in in the editing uh, rooms, you know we've been talking about you know did did Walt ever think it was going to come to this? 
you know, it's just, it, it has escalated so much. I mean, even, I worked on the pilot, I remember asking you, Vince, you know, what's going to happen? You're like, I don't think it's going to end well for anybody. <laughs> but That's I never thing I knew thought for sure. it would. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I never, it's like, there's just, it has escalated to such an extent that it's just like, I mean, Brian, as when you're preparing, you know, and as Walt, I mean, does this go through Walt's mind, Did you know? Or does he just not have time to think of this? Oh no, he he's only he's looking one step at a time. He he, there is no future for him, literally, right? So he can't even fathom the idea of planning down the road. Um, you know, he said this is this is all very immediate, and uh, he just wants to survive. I mean, what I think what would be the most optimum situation for Walt would have been to make as much money as he can in this, quit before he got caught. That Skyler never found out. My, certainly my son never finds out. My brother-in-law, Hank, never finds out. And then I die in somewhat of a peaceful manner. <laughs> but all of that has not come to pass, nor will it. Yeah. So, um, Although you do seem to make some progress with your marital negotiations in this episode. Walton Skyler. That's true. Interesting. Yeah, it's it, you know there are surprises that happen and and um, it, but it's hard to predict, especially you know in in most television shows you you know what your character will or will not do, what uh, what and what basically is going to happen to you. But this is this is you're not able to predict what happens in Breaking Bad. Not even me. Yeah. So I you stop trying and just allow yourself uh, to go for the ride by letting go well it's often where the audience is like the shock and awe and <laughs> confusion of the audience i think is often where walt's head is it right. seems to me yeah i think i think i mean that's that's a, an important element to the show it's it's also important that it that all those moves are are justifiable which they have been yeah. so you can you can kind of find the tracing of where we got to this point <laughs> It, and uh, and I like the fact that sometimes the audience is ahead of us and sometimes they're just behind us. Yeah. And I think it's really respectful to the audience and also it, it makes the, our audience has to be invested in the show. They can't be casual watchers. They have to be involved and invested in what's going on with the show or else they'll be lost. Absolutely true. Speaking of the audience being ahead of us, this episode, it, it, it finally... The audience, the Walt is up to speed with something the audience has known for quite a while, which is that uh, Mike works for Gus, right? And not so much Saul. So that is one of those moments where, because uh, that 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 line in the sand is always changing a little bit. What does Walt know? Does Walt know something? Oftentimes we, as you, I'm just repeating back what you said, but Walt knows things we don't. Other times we're ahead of Walt. Yeah, and then and we keep we keep that line in the sand moving yeah. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's and the way compelling. he finds out is even surprising. Because you, you, you expect that's going to be some surprise or some plot move, but it's... It's, it's just Mike tells me. Yeah. <laughs> like, because it's time to. Because, oh. yeah. Well, I hate to cut this short, as always, but uh, we need to uh, we need to run. So um, I appreciate Brian. Thanks, uh, Kelly. Coming in. This was great. That's Melissa, thank, thank you. Kelly. Vince, as always, thank you very much. Thank you so much, Kelly. Thanks for doing a great job on this podcast this season. And Thanks. a great job on this particular episode thank Fantastic. you thank yes, you guys it's definitely a collaboration and i really enjoy myself here um thank you very much appreciate right, thank it thank you uh so uh, our finale is coming up next week um 
So, uh, uh, what's it? It's called. It oh, it's called, called. Oh, it's a special episode. It's called Full Measure, and it's <laughs> well, written. All special in, well, no, but it's written and directed by Vince Gilligan, who we have not gotten to, um, you know, see uh, your directing work since the pilot. So it's really exciting. Yay me! Yay! It was fun. So he insists that the next podcast is only him. Yes. Hey, he's at, talk hey. to me as the writer. Talk I've to me as the it. director. <laughs> now the producer. He's gonna sit in all the different seats. Yeah. As I, as I He'll touch, move around. As I touch myself. <laughs> lotion up. So, uh, so anyway, um, thanks everybody again for listening. This episode again was uh, called Half Measures. It was directed by Adam Bernstein and written by Sam Catlin and Peter Gould. And uh, I guess see you next week. Let's go break bad.